John chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Don't you love Jesus' response? Nicodemus is like, man, we know you're from God because nobody can do those things. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. The guy's like, what? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, maybe you grew up with there was no dumb questions. I think he's being a little facetious there. Like, really? Born again? Jesus answered, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not, do not marvel that I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's the the Chris translation. How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you, you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no one has ascended into heaven except who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him must have eternal life. Now watch this. Verse 16 happens, one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the Bible. John 3, 16. I want you to notice something here. It's still in quotation marks. That means Jesus is still talking. This is not John's commentary on what Jesus said. This is Jesus still talking to Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I snuck out here at night because I got a reputation during the day. And I don't want to be seen with you during the day. So I'm going to come at night and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to inquire of you because I know there's no way you could do what you're doing without you being from God. I know it. Matter of fact, he says, we know it. So then Jesus hits him with, you got to be born again. And he's like, bro, (laughs) I don't even know how that works. And Jesus says, "How, how can you not understand how this works? So then he gets down to verse 16. Nicodemus is like, I don't understand. Jesus sums it all up. All right, let me say it like this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if you believe in him, you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. That he didn't send them into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And I believe Nicodemus win. I know what you're talking about now. You're it. Okay. 
You caught me up on that born again thing for a second, man. You caught me on that. I, I admit you caught me. I didn't understand. I didn't have a clue what you're talking about. But now that you spell it out, that God loved me and sent you, now I get it. Father, we ask you that you'd enlighten us today, God, to your plan. And I pray in light of the plan that you have to redeem us, we would have a plan, Lord, to express your love to others. Make us more determined this morning than it ever. That in this season, God, we would express love through the plan that you've given us. We thank you for it and we honor you today in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get nervous. It's part of the plan. Don't get nervous. It's part of the plan. Don't get nervous. It's part of the plan. How many of you are spontaneous people? Just raise your hand. You're spontaneous. You're spontaneous people. You like being spontaneous. You know, that works for about six months. You know, I say it's fun when you're dating to be spontaneous. It's fun when you just, just get a new friend to be spontaneous. You know, your buddy calls you up. Dude, you want to go drive across country? Yeah! Let's do it! And then you wake up six months later without a job. You're like, now we got to have a plan. This spontaneous thing doesn't put food on the table. Or when you first get married, first get in a relationship, it's all spontaneous. Oh, I love you. Oh, let's do something crazy. You're like, yeah. And then five years into it, you're like, I don't want spontaneity anymore. I want you to plan something. You know what I'm saying? Because you're spontaneous, worn out. And you're not spontaneous anymore. So I'm getting less of what I used to get because you won't plan for it. I will, I, as long as I live, I'll never forget this. Uh, I was just thinking, it's probably longer than, I mean, it's been a while. I'm just saying it's been a while. I remember um, my wife planned something one time. My wife is a planner. Like she's got a spreadsheet for Christmas. She got a spreadsheet for vacation. That is not a joke. I'm more like, the, like, well, what are you going to get your parents for Christmas? <sighs> Figure it out on the 23rd or something, 24th. Like, I'll walk in the store, whatever's on sale. I'm, I'm more of the not planner type. So there was this one time where some people in the office conspired to lie to me and, um, at, my, at my wife's direction. And... Um, and I was supposed to go to Pastor Skip's house to help him work on something. I, I actually think it was something in their, in their basement. And, and I thought, oh, man, I'm going to go over there. I want to give him a hand. I want to do the right thing. You know, love on him a little bit. And uh, I get there, and Pastor Skip and Donna are there outside their house, and they hand me a card. And I'm like, thanks. They're like, stick in my pocket. And I'm looking at Skip like, hey, all right, what do we need to look at? And Donna says, you're going to read the card? I'm like, I was going to read it later, but it's going to be awkward if I read it in front of everybody. <laughs> so, um, so I read the card, and my van was sitting in, the, in their driveway, which I wasn't driving it, and I thought, why is my van here? But they had schemed some way to get it there without me knowing it. Uh, I don't know what it was. In the card, I open up the card, and it's from my wife, and she says, get in the van, the GPS is set to where you're going to meet me. 
I was like, bro, I don't know what you needed, but I ain't doing it now. <laughs> so I get in the van, and I, it took me to Winchester. There's a nice hotel in Winchester called the George Washington Hotel. I drive up. I get out of the van. Some of you heard me tell this story. I get out of the van. He said, Mr. Jones. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> took my van. Valet parked it. Told me what room. And then, um, and then anyway. <laughs> so... So you, you can't do that spontaneously. Let me have been married 21 years. I'll come over and work and say, you want to go get a hotel room? <laughs> She's like, the kids are right here. Like, what are you talking like that for? What you find out with God is his love is always planned from the foundations of the earth. Matter of fact, it says, while you were a sinner, before you even knew what God was or what he was about or how he loved you, it said he had already planned to forgive you. Before you could do anything to earn it or even know it was available, his plan was already in place. He's not a spontaneous God that's got to react to some situation, just got to figure it out. He's a God that his plans never are thwarted. It's always the way he wants it. it his plan always works. It always is right. It's going to work out. Revelation says it's going to work out. Amen. Amen? So what happens is his love is expressed to us in a plan that he set forth from the beginning. Genesis 3, chapter 3, verse 15 it's called the Proto-Evangelium. It's like the fancy word for saying God already figured this out. Eve had called, caused Adam to sin. And, and we're kind of in a weird spot right now where now they're, you know, they're walking around. They're making their own clothes. Uh, and God's having an interaction with them. He's pulled the three of them together. Adam and Eve and the serpent, the devil. And he tells Eve, this is going to be your this is going to be your life after sin. He tells Adam, this is going to be your life after sin. Then he looks at the serpent. And he, in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he says that there's going to be enmity. There's going to be friction, war. There's going to be problems between your seed and the woman's seed. That's in the future. And it says between your offspring and hers. It says he will crush your head. And you will strike or bruise his heel. So all the way back at the first sin, we find that God already had a plan. It was already set in place. That in the future, Jesus would come as the Messiah. He would live a perfect life, die on the cross. The devil would strike his heel, bruise his heel. He would die on the cross, but after three days, he would rise again. And crush death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Okay, that's exciting. But what I need you to understand this morning is that was part of the plan. So when he gets to Nicodemus, he's trying to explain the plan to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is like, man, I don't know about this born again thing, born of water, born of the spirit. I don't understand all this. Jesus says, let me make it clear. God so loved the world that he gave. His only son. Nicodemus was part of the plan all the way back from the beginning. Uh, do you remember the scripture? Nicodemus, do you remember? Do you remember about striking the heel, crushing his head? Do you remember that? God so loved you that he gave his only son. 
whosoever believe will not perish would have everlasting life. You know, the difficult part of loving sometimes is when it seems like the plan doesn't work, right? Now, Jesus ran across this because everybody is always analyzing what you're doing. Did you realize that? Kids are watching you all the time. That's how I know how you really act at home. Because when your four-year-old comes in and says the F word. We have that happen all the time. Not in our house, but we run into it all the time. They're like, well, we don't know where they got that word from. <laughs> sure you don't. But, but also people are analyzing your life. I've never been so analyzed in my life before. Um, like, my kids now are saying, why are you wearing that? I'm like, I don't know. It's just me. I want to put it on. And I didn't ask you. I actually don't even care what you think. I'm just wearing it. Why, does it, why do you have to look at me? Don't look at me. The problem is, is that love doesn't make sense a lot of the time. Jesus began to explain his plan to the disciples. Mark records three instances of Jesus explaining this. He says, listen, the first time, I think it's Mark chapter 8, he goes into detail. He says, he spoke plainly to them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be turned over. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And in that instance, Peter comes along and says, um, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus actually looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. And, and Jesus says, you're only concerned with human things, not, God, not godly things. He says, he says, the reason you don't understand the plan is because you're only worried about yourself and how the plan affects you. He said, you're only worried about you and how this is going to all play out. And so you don't under, you're not thinking through it in godly terms, so the plan's never going to make sense. By the way, if you always look at love and how it affects you, you will never really express it to anyone else. Because love is always unselfish. Love is always man. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you, you've heard it read at every wedding you've ever been to. Love is patient, love is kind. You're like, no, it ain't. I don't know what it's talking about. Love is fix me dinner and not, you know, whatever. You're like, I don't know. Because we're always filtering love through what it, like, how's it affect me? And patience is always something that is not comfortable to me. Remember, I'm an activator. Tell me to be patient. Well, Chris, that's what love looks like. Well, it's not, it doesn't really fit to me. So I don't want, Jesus, you dying doesn't fit in my plan. And Jesus says, you're not looking at this through lenses that, that God has, you're looking at through your own life, and you can't look at love that way. Love always gives. So he goes on again two more times in, in the book of Mark. He records that Jesus does this. He tells them plainly, hey, this is what's going to happen. And every time he does it, in Mark chapter 9, verse 34, it says, but they kept quiet on the way. They had argued about who was the greatest. He's explaining to him that he's going to die. The Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. 
Jesus, talk about dying again. I have no, no clue what he's talking about. It sounds silly to me. Mark chapter 10. We were going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. He's explained it. This is the plan. This is God so loved the world. This is the plan. This is how it's going to work out. And they're like, what? Well, that, we don't like that plan. We don't like it. We don't like that you're going to sacrifice. We don't like this talk of sacrifice. We don't like this. It's always misunderstood in the middle, isn't it? It's always misunderstood in the middle. Any of you like boxing? Raise your hand if you like. Everybody's like, well, that's a, that's a mean sport. Yeah, well, suck it up. I actually love boxing. There's nothing better than watch two grown men voluntarily get in a ring and punch each other till they're so tired they can't stand up. That's America, right? <laughs> Rocky Bob, I mean, just come on. Our whole society is built on right? I grew up in the era of Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, I actually paid for the second Holyfield-Mike Tyson fight. I had some friends over. We were in the living room. And I'm dangerous to watching boxing. I'm standing up like, mm. So I remember when he bit his ear and they stopped the fight. And I thought, oh, you got to be kidding me. I paid 65 bucks for this fight. Get him back in the ring. I don't care if he bites his nose off. Like, I paid $65 for this thing. Let him keep fighting. What do you mean you're going to stop it? It's been like 15 minutes. It's furious. But I'll go back on YouTube and watch old fights sometimes. Anybody ever heard of the Rumble in the Jungle with Muhammad Ali and George Foreman? Muhammad Ali's the greatest, greatest ever lived, right? Greatest of all times. George Foreman sells a really nice grill. <laughs> Here's why. Rumble in the Jungle. Actually, in 1974, George Foreman was favored to win that fight. Nobody had ever punched like him. He could punch a man and just break his will, knock him out, make him beg for his mommy in the ring, and just, keep, just punch him so hard he doesn't even know what's happening. And everybody believed that he was going to punch Muhammad Ali, like just knock him straight out. But I found out that Muhammad Ali had a publicist that gave him the strategy to win the fight. He called up the, he said, why don't you do a dope on the rope strategy? Now, we don't use the word dope anymore unless you're, you know. But he said, why don't you do the dope on the rope strategy where you just act like you're getting hit, but let the rope take the concussion? It's different than standing out in the middle of the ring and not having anything to lean on. You can lean on the rope, and you can let the rope spring you, let the rope support you, and you can, you can deflect the, the punishing blows by acting like you're getting hit, but actually not causing it to hurt. So here comes the rumble in the jungle. The lights are on. The crowds are screaming. And for round after round, Muhammad Ali leans up against the rope. And let George Foreman beat the life out of him. 
only to find George Foreman tires out. And then Muhammad Ali goes, bink, and knocks George Foreman out. Later, they coined it the rope-a-dope. Give him the old rope-a-dope. And actually, people are still using it today. Actually, a couple, a couple months ago, the famous Conor McGregor fought, fought Floyd Mayweather Jr. for the fight of all fights or whatever it was called. And Mayweather rope-a-doped him the whole time and then knocked him out at the end. Isn't that crazy? People are still using it. I do it all the time. The beautiful thing about that was the whole crowd thought Muhammad Ali was crazy and losing at the time. They all thought he was getting beat up. They all thought he, that he was losing. They all thought for sure George Foreman's going to knock this guy out. It's just a matter of time. He's hitting him over and over and over again. He's going to knock him out. And I want to propose to you that your plan to love other people oftentimes Looks like you're getting beat up. Doesn't it? It never makes sense to anybody in the middle. Just like the disciples are looking at Jesus, Nicodemus is looking at Jesus, what are you talking about? You're going to die and be in the grave three days and then resurrect? Why? What, is, what are you talking about? Why would you do that? This is silly. This is crazy talk. You are not going to do that. Get behind me, Satan. Well, now you're calling me Satan? Well, I don't understand what you're talking. Nicodemus is showing up at night going, bro, back into my mother's womb? Like my mom's like five foot tall. He's like, I don't understand what you're saying. Jesus says it's part of the plan, Nicodemus. Part of the plan. God so loved the world that he gave. It's part of the plan from the very beginning. It's part of the plan. It's part of the plan. And the people in the Colosseum that night in 1974, the people who were not fretting were the ones that were in Muhammad Ali's corner. Is because, guess what? They knew the plan. So what looked like him getting beat up to everyone else was actually part of the strategy for him to knock George Foreman out. It was actually what they were doing on purpose. So when everybody else was fretting about him, his corner was going, it's part of the, keep going, keep going, it's part of the plan. You're doing great. They put ice on him, it's part of the plan. Yeah, you're keeping it going. Good job, good job, good job. He ain't got much gas left. He doesn't have much gas left. Just keep swinging on them ropes. Just keep, just keep swinging on the ropes. Keep swinging on the ropes. And you know what's curious? Is that Jesus all through his life is describing what the plan for us looks like. What our plan should look like. Matter, matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 5, he, he does the Beatitudes as a Sermon on the Mount. And he says things like this after the Beatitudes, chapter 5, verse 38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He said, everybody else around you responds like this. Here's your plan. Do not resist one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Do you know what Jesus just said do? Rope a dope. He said, wait, he said, wait a second. Wait a second. Don't. It's, good. it's not going to look good when they're doing it. It's not going to look good. People around you are going to think, think, people around you are going to think you're getting taken advantage of, actually. How, how can they forgive him again? How can, they, how can they come back again? How can they do that again? Jesus said, if they slap you and your head goes this way, 
actually turn it on purpose the other way. You know what that looks like? Doesn't it? Do you get the feeling what he's saying? He's saying, Peter comes to him and he says, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? Seven? You know, that's way more. That's four times more than what we typically forgive. Jesus says, 70. 70 times seven, Peter. Come on. Come on. Nobody's going to think you're doing the right thing. Everybody in the stands, everybody's going to stands thinks you're losing. Everybody in the stands thinks you're crazy for giving it away. Everybody in the stands thinks, like, how can you be generous when you don't even have anything? How can you keep doing that? How can you keep? You know why you're not nervous? Because you look up and you go, <laughs> it's part of the plan. <laughs> That's, oh, 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 he almost got, almost got me there. Almost got me. Almost got me. Almost got me. It's still, and the whole time, your life looks like the devil swinging haymakers at you. The whole time, the light, your life looks like there's, there's no way they can make it. He's swinging one more haymaker. And, and how can you forgive him? Don't worry. It's part of the plan. Don't worry. It's part of the plan. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's part of the plan. How can you go to the cross and die? Don't worry. God still love the world. Don't worry. And then guess what? Three days later, he went. See, the problem with us expressing love is we want it to make sense on this side. We want it to make sense on this side. Jesus said, you've heard it said. Eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. Hate your enemy. You've heard all that. You've heard all that. That's the way everybody operates. I'm telling you this. Somebody strikes you, turn your other cheek. Come on, don't resist them. Matter of fact, he goes on. Here's the plan to express love. He goes on. He said, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic... Let him have your cloak as Oh, you want my shirt? I'll give you my coat too. Y'all, you want that? I'll give you this as well. I know it. your family's going, what are you doing? Your friends are saying, what are you doing that for? Why would you forgive them ever again? Why would you ever be generous again? You know how many times they take advantage of you? <laughs> There's people in our community right now. That, that this church will give money to and other people go, oh, I wouldn't do that. I know it doesn't make any sense. But at the end, it looks like we're getting beat up right now. Come on, come on, it looks like it. It looks like we're getting beat up. Oh, oh, looks like we're getting beat up. But guess what happens? At the, love always wins at the end. Love always wins at the end. I'm not actually getting beat up. I'm rope-a-doping the devil. I'm not getting beat up. Jesus didn't get, he said, no man can take my life from me. It's part of the plan. I'll lay it down if I want to lay it down. You, devil, you can't take anything from me. You can't take it. I'm up against the ropes because I planned this from the beginning. I'm up against the ropes because somebody needs to know that I'll forgive them a hundred times when they come back. Somebody needs to know I'll keep contributing no matter what my finances look like. Somebody needs to know that no matter what, you can't take it from me if I've already given it. You can't do that. So Jesus says, no man takes my life. I freely lay it down. And now watch how this plays out. Watch how this plays out. He is hanging on the cross. And he says these words, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them, Lord. They don't even know. They don't even know. 
You know, we're so tied up like Peter in our life trying to make sure that we're not getting hit trying to make sure we're not going to take a hit. We're so tied up like Peter going, God, this ain't the plan. This can't be the plan. It feels like I'm losing right now. It feels like I'm getting beat up. But then you watch how Jesus does it. And he gets on the cross and he goes, one more, forgive them, Lord. They don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. I can forgive them because they don't even realize what they're doing. And at the end of this, love's going to get them all. At the end of this, love's going to get them all. And my fear is, as a church, we just haven't taken love out as far as it can go. We haven't taken the rope-a-dope out as far as Jesus did. We haven't taken it all the way. We get hit a couple times and we go, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, that one, that one almost got me. Oh, oh, oh. Wait a second, wait a second. Wait a second. I don't know if this, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, hang in there. Jesus said, hang in there. No, 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 this is part of the plan. Hang in there. Hang in there. And then one day you'll be able to look up and you'll go, hey, just forgive them, Lord. They don't even realize. They don't even realize it. They don't even realize it. Then the Holy Spirit starts working through you. And your life becomes a planned expression of love through the Savior. Your life becomes a planned out expression of love like Jesus. A planned out expression of love. Like this is not by happenstance that I let you hit me. Now just for clarification, I'm not talking about physically hitting somebody. But, but this is a planned out. I know it looks like I'm getting taken advantage of right now. But don't worry, it's part of the plan. And I believe that Christians for decades have been more worried about looking successful than actually planning out love. And so you can't lean up against a rope and get, your, and get hit and look successful. But I want to tell you something. Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all times and George Foreman is selling grills. And I don't know about you, but Jesus Christ came to the earth, rope a dope the devil, and he changed humanity for all eternity. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if the church would stand up and we'd say, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me, Satan. I got the Holy Ghost behind me. I got the Holy Ghost ropes. I just bounce on him a little bit. You can't hurt, you can't hurt me because he gave me peace to pass all understanding. Oh, you're trying to swing again. You can't, you can't hurt me because he guards my heart and mind. You can't, you can't, oh, you want body shot? You can't hurt me because he will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You think that, that didn't hurt. He will supply. That didn't hurt. He comforts me. That didn't hurt. He will guide me through the valley of the shadow of death. And I will, I won't even fear you. I won't even fear you when you swing. I, w- I won't even fear because it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. And my plan is to the same love that God put in me is going to come out and I'll rope-a-dope the devil right to the very end. Get him so tired. Bink! The people in our community need this. The people all over the world need it. They don't need a church to give up early. They don't need a church that will quit because somebody threw a punch at them. They need a church that knows how to use the ropes and say, hey, we we got a plan. And nobody in here is getting excited because we all know what's going on. Okay, 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 I know, you're giving. I get it, you're giving, I get it. 
I, I see what you're doing. You're learning how to use the ropes. You just forgave another person again. I see what you're doing. You're using the ropes. And in the community of believers, we can encourage each other. We're each other's corner. We can look at each other and say, keep bouncing on the ropes. He's getting tired. Keep bouncing on the ropes. Everybody else is like, oh my goodness, what's happening? Keep bouncing. You got it. Keep bouncing on the ropes. He's getting tired. Love wins at the end of the day. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Father, we ask you today, God. God, let us have a plan to express love in this life. God, you so loved the world that you gave your only son. Lord, we pray that because you saved us, we'd express that same love to the same extent, Lord. Lord, help us to forgive and to give and to heal. Lord, help us to be the people you've called us to be. Let us put a plan in place, Lord. And even when it doesn't make sense, God, let us see it through to the end. God, and I pray that we would see people come to know you like never before. I pray that through this holiday season, as we enact our plan of grace and mercy and generosity and forgiveness, Lord, that more people than ever before would know the name of Jesus. I pray that every time the devil tries to hit us, we just tell him it's part of the plan. I pray that every every pain and every suffering that comes into our lives, I pray that we bounce on the Holy Spirit and reiterate that it's part of the plan, that we will love unconditionally in every circumstance. We thank you for it, God. We thank you for the power to be able to do it. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in us, making us capable of loving like you did. We look forward to it, God, and we pray that your power would be in it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him praise and honor again this morning? He's worth it.